listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. The theme that we are in for this year has been this whole theme of here now. It's this whole thing of making the most of the moment that we're in, going for everything that God has got for us, pursuing Him in every season, looking for Him, being alert, being attentive to what He's asking, what He's bringing us into. And you know, I've, I find the hardest part about being in the here now is that it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to miss what is right in front of you, the main thing, by being distracted. And I found this uh, just uh, a few days ago. It was our wedding anniversary, and uh, we celebrated on Friday 17 years of being married, So, which is awesome. It's nothing compared to Brian and Judy, 47, was it? 47, 46 years. How amazing is that? But celebrated 17 years uh, together, and it's just been such a really big week for us. We had our heart and soul thank you on Friday night, and spectacular coming up, and Christmas box, all these different things, and we're about to go on leave as well, and so all these things are happening, and so Friday morning, Craig let me sleep in, and I woke up, uh, went out um, to our lounge kind of area, and Craig's standing there with a present in his arms, and he's like, happy anniversary, and I had completely forgotten, like completely. It hadn't even registered on my radar that week. Like we're celebrating it on Monday. So I kind of just compartmentalized it to that's the day we're celebrating it. And so he's there with this big smile and this happy anniversary. And I'm like, oh no, I have forgotten. But he was so stoked because it, he reckons it gives him an entire year of just like being scot-free, like he's just got one in the bag now. So he's stoked. And the funny thing was last year, I did something really awesome for him, made him, cooked him dinner, just reminding you of last year, but cooked you dinner, like bought awesome shoes for him, had all this stuff. And, and then he just wrote me this one page kind of love letter. He was like, you're about words. I'm like, yeah, but I'm also about gifts. And I'm like, and then so I had this meltdown with them last year. I'm like, we're just getting familiar with each other. We're just not even celebrating this thing anymore. And then I forget this year. So he's definitely got one in the bag. <laughs> but you know, it can be so easily to be distracted, to live distracted, to forget what is right in front of you. And I just feel God, you know, just stirring us to make sure we are not being distracted, that we keep, especially as we wrap up this year, that we keep focused on the here now and what God wants to do through us, what He wants to move us into, you know, especially going into next year. What is God saying to us? What is He drawing us into? That we wouldn't just survive the rest of this year, but that we would lean into God and allow Him to speak in a fresh way. See, the lives that we live today, it's so easy to be distracted by pleasure. Pleasure, things of the world all around us. It's so easy to live distracted by those things. I was reminded the other day, a few months ago, we just finished this big fast. And so I went downtown to get this kebab thing that I loved. It was my treat. And then I was so um, like stoked about this kebab and just loving this kebab that I took the wrong motorway exit and just got completely distracted and ended up like coming home 40 minutes later because I got on the Western Ring Road. But I was thinking like we can be so distracted by pleasure and it can end up leading us off course rather than on the path that God has for us. We can be distracted by technology. How easy is it to start a search on your phone? You know, maybe you're searching for Christmas presents. 
the next hour, you're onto all these different links and you're checking out whether Epstein really was killed. Or, you know, like you're on this whole other tangent. And we can live so distracted by our phones, by technology. We can live distracted by other people's expectation of us, distracted by options that are all around us. You know, recently I was with a girl in NZ who just finished Bible college, and I said to her, what are you going to do now? And she listed off all these different options, and one of them going back to her homeland and, you know, reconnecting with family there. And, but I'm like, so, yeah, but what's the God option? And she was like, oh, yeah, I haven't really thought of that. I'm like, you've just done Bible college. Like, you should be thinking like that. But we, there's so many options all around us. And we can live distracted by so many options rather than pursuing the here now that God has for us. So we've got to keep working on being alert to what really matters. Alert to what really matters to our God. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8 to 9, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I don't want to be devoured by him. I want to be alert. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same type of sufferings. Be alert. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 It says, so then prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is revealed, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. I love that. A greater measure of grace will be released to you. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, the end of all things is near. Come on, we've got to be alert. Like Pastor Luke was saying, our life is like a vapor. You know, we've got to be alert. Therefore, it says, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. We've got to stay the course that God has called us to. Stay alert, stay on track, stay on purpose. You know, often to get off course, it actually takes just little things getting in our world. It's the little things that we allow that will eventually get us off course. Often it's not a major thing that takes place. It's just the little things that we allow to creep in. Now, pilots will tell you that to get off course only takes being out by one degree. It's been proven that for every single degree you fly off course, you will miss your target landing spot by 92 feet for every mile you fly. So that amounts to about one mile off target for every 60 miles flown. So if you decided to start at the equator, fly around the earth, one degree off would land you almost 500 miles off target, which is approximately Sydney to Melbourne. The longer you travel off course, the further you will be away from the intended target. Have we got just that little bit off course? You know, just that little bit off course with the priority of our timing. You know, church maybe isn't as big a priority as it used to be. We kind of attend every two or three weeks, you know, when it suits us, when it works in with everything else going on in our lives. You know, connect group, building connection with others used to be such a priority, but we just allowed other things to creep in. You know, it used to be such a priority that we kept our heart pure before God. We would go before Him every morning and saying, God, search my heart, change me, reveal things to me. But we just don't do that anymore. We've just allowed our quiet time just to slip aside. You know, those little things that can just get in, that can take us off course. You can think, oh, you know, I, I used to want to do that for God, but I'm, I'm kind of doing something that's kind of similar. But we just allow that little thing to get off of us off course. 
It's the little things. Come on, we've got to take stock of the priority of our time. Take, top, take stock of the attitude of our hearts. Are there little things that we've allowed to get in that's taking us away from the here now that God wants to release to us? So what I want to do this morning is before we get into our time of worship, is just look at what it means to stay alert. And the first thing is we've got to hold fast. Hold fast. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 to 9 says, Be alert, sorry, and of sober mind. Sorry, I said that before. The same verse again, but it says, Be alert, of sober mind. Stand firm in the faith. It says in verse 9, stand firm in the faith. We've got to stand firm. Matthew 10 verse 22 says, you'll be hated by everyone because of me. Come on, we think we have it tough sometimes when people at work are like, oh, you're a Christian. I love what the Bible says. You'll be hated by people because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Come on, some of us, I feel like this morning we've got to hear it. The key is just in standing firm. Come on, you feel like this, all this persecution is coming at you and you're in a season like it feels like I can't win. The key is to stand firm. Keep standing firm in what God has given you, the promises that He's given you. Stand firm in His truth. Now, over three years ago now, we built our home. And it was the first time we've ever built. So we were novices at it. We were learning as we went. And I remember as it was almost coming together and it was kind of on our way to work. So we would always pop in and stop and see how they were doing. And one morning we popped in to, to see what was up for that day. And uh, they'd started painting. But they were painting all the inside of our house blue like this pale blue colour. And so I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? I did not choose blue as our colour. And the guy that oversaw the, the painting company was really mean. And he's like, well, that's the colour that you've chosen. See the code here on the sheet that I've been given? It's blue colour. And he's like, I've got all these guys on site. I'm not stopping this job until this job is done. We've got the paint here. It's all ordered. We're going ahead with this job. And I'm like, I did not choose blue. That is not the colour that I want my house painted. And he's like, the code's right there. You chose it. But I knew that I hadn't chosen that colour. So I knew back home that I had a sample. It was about as big as this card, the sample of the paint that I'd chosen for our walls. So I went back and got it. I went to Sam and he was this rough guy, hard as nails. And I'm like, this is the colour that I chose. This is the sample. This is the code on the back that I chose. And I know it matches the code on your sheet, but that's not what I chose. And we put the sample up next to the blue and it was white against the blue. And so I was there. He, he looked and he was like, oh, you know, said a, said a few words that you can't repeat in church. And, and we ended up uh, having the paint reordered and the job completely done. But you know, all I had was this little piece of paper to stand, hold, and hold fast with. All I had was this small bit of paper. You know, with this guy that was rough as nails that was like, I ain't budging, all I had was this. You know, for some of us, I feel this morning, all you've got is one promise from God. All you've got is one word. All you've got is one encounter. All you've got is one prophecy. All you've got is one kind of sense of this is what God is asking me to. All you've got maybe is one dream from your childhood. I wanna encourage you, hold fast to that one thing. Hold fast. When the enemy comes, 
and He's like, you know what? I'm painting your house a different colour. This is my territory. I'm calling the shots here. No, you hold fast with your one thing. You're like, no, this is what I stand on. This is my one thing. We've got to hold fast to what God has asked us to, to lay hold of. Hold fast. Stay alert by holding fast. Now, I love what Ephesians 6 verse 14 says. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. It's the belt of truth that holds us firm. The belt of His truth, the conviction that we carry, that's what holds us secure. Of the armour that, that God's talking about there, His truth gives us the strength we need to hold fast. You know, recently I have just had a lot of back pain. And I was meant to be preaching last Sunday, but my back was in agony. I could hardly walk all this week. It's just like up in the morning, it's taking me about half an hour to actually get moving. I've just been in agony. And of course, it's from lifting my little boy, Easy, who's 18 months now. And he's just getting to this stage where he's a lot bigger. But what it's actually highlighted to me, what I thought was the issue, obviously, of lifting our little boy, the the issue is actually my core is not strong enough. I need to develop my core. I need to strengthen my core. You know, as I was preparing this message, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, for many of us, we may try and maybe blame the situation or blame the circumstance of our lives or maybe blame what we're carrying. It's too heavy. But the issue is actually we need to get our core stronger. We need to get our inner self stronger now, you might be called to be in the workplace that you're in. You're called to be a light there. It's not the circumstance you need to change, but it's getting the core stronger. It's filling yourself up with the Word of God, changing your mindset so that you can carry a heavier load for the kingdom of God. Come on, it's not about making our lives lighter and easier. It's about developing our core so that we can carry more. This is making sense this morning. The weight of what we're carrying isn't the issue but it's time to get our core stronger. As we go into summer, you know, allow it to be a time where we're retraining our mind, we're getting our core stronger, we're laying hold of God's promise, we're holding fast. The second thing in staying alert is exchange of the temporary. Exchange of the temporary, our temporary wants, our temporary needs for what truly matters. I love what it says in Luke 12, verse 15 to 21. Speaking to the people, Jesus said, be alert, it's a word again, and guard your heart from greed, for always wishing for what you don't have. Come on, how amazing is that one line, wishing for what you don't have? How often can we get distracted because we're wishing for what we don't have rather than being filled with gratitude for what we do have? And it goes on to say, for your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. Come on again, how powerful is that statement? Jesus then went on to give them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. In fact, it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full? I have nowhere else to store more. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn that will hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back surrounded by comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. God said to him, what a fool you are to trust in your riches and not me. We want to trust in things that are so temporary, to trust in things that are here today, gone tomorrow. Then who will get all the wealth you've stored up for yourself? 
This is what will happen to those who fill up their lives with everything but God. And that line again, those who fill up their lives with everything but God. Now, it's a really good question to ask ourselves. What are we filling our lives up with? What are we cramming into our lives? No, when I pack to go away somewhere, my strategy is just to try and cram everything possible into the car. Like there's no intentionality about it. It's just like, get it all in. And my husband, if he sees me do that, he is horrified. So whenever we go away on holiday now, packing is his department and I do not touch it. It's his field of expertise and he's very proud of it. Are there any other guys that are in the same boat? It's like, packing is your thing. Yeah, there we go. And so... He has, he has this, he takes great pride in it. So his strategy is we've got to get the big things in first. And then we pack, there's other guys that are like, yes, it's so true. Get the big things in first, then you pack everything else around it. You know, it's got to be the same with our relationship with God. He's always the first thing. He's the one, we, he's the first priority. He's what we fit everything else around. Is he and has he got the priority that he deserves? Are we fitting our relationships around him? Are we fitting our work around him? Are we fitting our kids around him? Are we fitting our career around him? Are we fitting our time around him? Are we fitting our marriage around him? Come on, I I actually felt when I was preparing this, I felt really stirred, particularly about marriage. You know, it can be so easy when it comes to our marriage to be led by our emotions. You know, I don't love him anymore. But what is God saying when it comes to your marriage? Come, are we prioritizing the God peace in the marriage, that covenant that you put before God? I really felt stirred to bring that this morning. And maybe there's just one person here and you need to hear it. It's worth holding fast the covenant that God has called you to when it comes to marriage. Don't be led by your emotions, by your feelings. Yes, there's stuff to work through, but hold fast. Prioritize God in the middle of it and allow Him to lead you through it. Are we fitting God in first and then putting everything else around it? You know, being alert is being intentional and discipled with and disciplined, sorry, with our choices. It's being disciplined enough to make choices that are bigger than what we currently see. I love this quote that Craig Rochelle answered a few weeks ago. He said, discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. We've got it when it comes to God, we've got to, He's the one that matters most. And there are going to be so many things that we want now that might try and pull us away from Him. Let's keep choosing what we want most. The last thing, if the team can join me, please. We've got to live in pursuit of His presence, not just partake of it. What do I mean by that? It can be so easy to live our Christianity just partaking of God's presence. You know, we enjoy it when it's put before us. We enjoy His presence when we come to church. We enjoy His presence when we go to our connect group, maybe, when we're hanging out with somebody else that's also a Christian. But do we actually pursue His presence for ourselves? Are we actually being intentional about going, God, I need you in my everyday life? I'm pursuing you in everything that I do. I'm pursuing you with intentionality. And right now I'm gonna get the service host to hand out communion. And I just love you not to be distracted by this moment at all because our team's gonna come and minister in just a short moment as well. But I just want God to do something in this moment. 
When you partake of something, you simply enjoy what is set before you. But when you pursue something, you go after it for yourself. And are we pursuing? Are we being intentional with God's presence? Are we hungry for Him? Especially this Christmas season where it's meant to be all about Him. We can be distracted by so many other things and miss what truly matters. Now there is nothing like His presence. I love the story in 1 Chronicles. I've been reading a lot of the Old Testament lately and it talks about King David bringing the Ark of, the Ark of God, which represented the presence of God. He, bring, he wants to bring it back to the city of David. And as he's doing that, one of the priests is killed on the way. So it freaks David out and he stores the Ark at a house of a man named Obed-Edom. And as he does that, three, three months later, he hears how Obed has just been blessed beyond blessed because the presence of God has been housed in his home. And then a few chapters later, it then talks about an Obed-Edom who becomes a gatekeeper in God's house. And scholars debate whether it's the same man. But there's something in me, it would make sense for it to be the same man. Because once you've had the presence of God, you do whatever is possible to pursue it further. It says this in Psalm 84 verse 10, and this is King David saying this, man who had it all, all the riches of the world, the status, he had it all. He said this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In the Passion Translation, it says, just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. I'd rather stand at the threshold in front of the gate beautiful, ready to go in and worship my God than to live my life without you in the most beautiful palace of the wicked. There is nothing like the presence of God. You know, whatever you are going through, there can be so many things that we run after, so many things that we chase after, but ultimately it's His presence that we need. And I was so encouraged recently, I was talking to my dad and he's had the most horrific upbringing, a product of rape, just ostracised by everybody as a little eight-year-old boy. He had no friends in school, just a really hard past. And I said to him when we were chatting, I said, you know, you've never had any counselling. You've never been to a psychologist, none of that. But you're so healed and whole. And he said to me, you know, the key was just getting in God's presence. When he became a Christian, as a little boy, he'd go to every prayer meeting. Just be, as an 18-year-old, just be in God's presence. Whatever was provided, he just hungered after God's presence. And God's presence changed him. In God's presence, He wants to encounter us this morning. And I've been so encouraged too by a story of Eddie, a man in our church. And just recently, Craig told me about his story. And I think over a year ago now, just he had a Muslim background and, had kind of been searching for God, searching, it just wasn't quite sitting right for him, the Muslim faith. So we went searching for God and we actually asked him, he was a tradie, we asked him to come in and just lay the carpet here in the auditorium. Didn't know him, just found him on Google or something like that. And so he came in and it was just a Tuesday morning, 
laying carpets in this auditorium. And he said that Jesus met him. He had this vision in this auditorium of Jesus. And from there, his life has just been radically changed. He got baptised. He's just this passionate pursuer of Jesus, laying his life down for God's presence, just hungering after more of God. The presence of Jesus is what we need. He's the one that satisfies our soul like no other. Whatever we are searching after, it's Him that we need. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.